Welcome to the Faith Cometh by Hearing podcast. We are so glad that you have tuned in. Romans 10:17 says, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Our calling is to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. We trust today's message will be a blessing to your heart. We go now to today's message. Thank you, Brother Billy. Good evening to you. Oh, it's a better evening than that, ain't it? Good evening. Praise the Lord. Let's, thank you, Brother. It takes a lot of water for a windmill. Good to see you in the house of the Lord tonight. Glad you saved on the way to glory. Good amen for God. Praise the Lord. We tried to wake Sandy Ridge up last night, and I think we got about everybody woke up except the crickets and the coons. We're going to wake them up tonight. Good to see the house of God full again tonight. Last night they were sitting outside. Amen. I mean, had some outside and on the front porch and out in the parking lot. Been a long time since I've seen that. But I'm glad to see folks interested in the work of God. Amen. Brother Rudy, thank you all for coming tonight and singing. I'm glad I'm on the glory road, ain't you? Amen. Well, I tell you, if you're on the glory road tonight, there's something to be praising the Lord about. Amen. Brother Billy said, I don't ever get over being saved. I met folk, I meet folk down through the years, seem like they got over it. Yeah. I never did get over it. Man, the uh, closer I get to being a, in, in glory, the better it gets. Amen. More real it gets to me. Right. I take every day as a blessing from God. But when I wake up in the morning, I try to train my mind, Lord, thank you for the good night's rest. And then I thought, you know, one of these nights we'll pill our head for the last time. Now, some of you young folk don't know what I'm talking about, but at my age, I take a shower, and uh, I say, this might be my last one. I shave, and I say, it might be the last time I'll shave. And I eat, eat a meal, I say, Lord, this might be my last meal before I get home. We're all heading to eternity. Amen. If you're not saved tonight, I hope you'll get saved. Amen. Well, it's good to see all you preachers tonight. I appreciate the preachers coming. We Amen. had a house full of preachers last night. I was counting, Brother Billy. I think we had seven, six or seven preachers last night. <laughs> Probably got about that many tonight, and we got enough preachers together to start a seminary. <laughs> Not a cemetery, a seminary. Amen. Appreciate you folk from Smith Chapel, and uh, all you folks from over to Oasis, Smith Chapel, and all points in between. It's so good to see you. Amen. Brother Billy was telling me last night, did you know, I know you folks Smith Chapel, uh, he's took up flying. Y'all know that? And he's even talked Bridget into going with him. Yeah, they've been taking airplane rides. Am I right? Uh, said they didn't want to get on them, but now they've just got the, the buzz and they want to go flying all the time. Remind me of an old boy down, I heard this story down in Georgia. There's an old fella trying to catch an airplane from Atlanta, Georgia, out to St. Louis, Missouri. And he didn't know there's an air's difference in the time from Atlanta to St. Louis. So he's talking the fellow there selling tickets, and he said, uh, I want a plane ticket from Atlanta to St. Louis, Missouri. And he said, how much are they? He told him. He said, what time does this plane leave out? He said, it leaves out at 12 o'clock noon. He said, what time does it get in St. Louis? It gets there at 11.59. <laughs> he said, now run that by me again. It leaves here at 12 o'clock and gets there at 11.59. He didn't know it was there was different at the time. He said, the flight was 59 minutes. He said, yeah, it leaves here at 12 o'clock noon, gets to St. Louis at 11.59. All 
Oh, he said, give me my money back. I don't want to take it on that thing. <laughs> he said, well, why not? He said, I won't get on that thing. Give me my money back. He said, but if it won't bother y'all, I'd like to get over here behind that tree and watch it take off. <laughs> so, Billy, you go ahead and fly the plane. I'll get behind the tree and watch it take off, all right? <laughs> Billy would talk to me last night about that. It also remind me he's talked Bridget into getting on. Amen. You've been up too, ain't you? This fellow wanted to go up in an airplane with his wife, and the pilot said, I'm going to cost you $500 a piece. And the old farmer said, $1,000? I can't afford that. But me and my wife won't ride. He said, I'll tell you what I'll do. He said, I'll take you both up. And if you don't speak a word from the time I leave the ground till I get back in the air strip and I hit the ground again, it won't cost you a dime. But if you say one word, it's going to cost you $1,000. Okay. We won't say nothing. So the farmer and his wife gets on the plane, they take off. Pilot gets up so many thousand feet and he turns that thing upside down, flies on the belly. He does back flips, front flips, does rolls, does everything that plane can do. Keeps listening for the farmer. The farmer ain't said a word. Ain't said a word. He got back down on the ground and he said, well, I can't believe it. You didn't speak. Ain't going to cost you a thing. How in the world do you keep from talking? All those things that I did with that plane. Well, he said, I almost said something on that last flip when my wife fell out. <laughs> said, I, I almost said something, but I thought if I do, it'll cost me $1,000. Don't forget that. Be careful when you go up with him. Well, it's good to be able to smile on the way to glory. Amen. Thank you again, Oasis, for coming and singing. I appreciate this group from out there. And we had some good singing last night again tonight. I enjoyed the last night's service. Amen. How many Bibles do we have in the house of God? Let's see them real high. Hold the book up. Praise the Lord for the Holy Bible. If I begin to call names of everybody that's present, I'd overlook somebody and I'd feel bad about that. But I appreciate you coming tonight. I'm going to give you just a moment to find the scriptures. I'm going to read two verses. One from the Old Testament and one from the New. The Old Testament will be Genesis chapter 2. The second chapter in your Bible won't be hard to find. I'm going to read chapter 2 from Genesis verse number 8. And then if you'll hold your place there or put a marker and turn to the book of First Peter in the New Testament, I'm going to read from chapter 4 there, and the verse will be 16. So the two verses we'll read tonight is Genesis chapter 2 and verse 8, First Peter chapter 4 and verse 16. And we'll see if we can tie these scriptures together on a simple thought tonight that I believe the Lord can use to help us. And uh, I hope it'll be a blessing to you if you're saved. Encouragement to you if you're downcasted. Most of all, I hope it'll be a message of salvation if you're not ready to meet the Lord. Uh, I want to say this tonight. God's still saving souls. Uh, two weeks ago, I was over in revival in Fancy Gap, Virginia, Community Chapel Baptist Church. We had two precious souls saved. Week before that, was over in New River Baptist Church in West Jefferson. Had two saved over there. So the Lord's still getting folks together. Talking to Brother Billy, I believe he said, Last week you had one saved here. Amen. And God's wanting to save. And uh, you had one saved, brother. Amen. I'm glad God's getting his last load up. If you're not on, you better get on board. Amen. The scriptures in Genesis chapter 2 and verse 8, 1 Peter 4, 16. If you could stand with us, we'll respect the reading of these two verses. Genesis chapter 2 and verse 8, the Bible said, And the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man 
whom he had formed. Now keep that in mind as we go to 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 16. Yet if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. May the Lord bless these two verses. Good to see you tonight, Brother Bobby Wilmoth. Would you pray for me, please, sir? Lord, I pray tonight, Lord, that you'll bless Brother Don, God, that you'll fill him up. God, give him what we need tonight. Lord, I pray, God, we hear from heaven. Lord, I pray heaven come down and meet with us tonight. But Lord, most of all, God, if there's one lost tonight, Lord, I pray they'll find him a place around the old-fashioned altar. God, has set you before it's too late. Lord, just have your way, Lord. Just send revival here to Smith Chapel. Bless Brother Billy and the congregation here. Lord, just be with them, Lord. I pray, Lord, that it'll start here tonight, rub off on every church. Amen. 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 Thank you, Brother Bobby. Thank all of you for your prayers, and thank you for your presence in the house of the Lord tonight. Now, it might seem strange that I've read two verses, one from Genesis, one from the book of 1 Peter chapter 4. But in our mind, if we'll go back to the book of Genesis chapter 2, in fact, last night I mentioned verse 7 in the message, where the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostril breath of life, and man became a living soul. Of course, that's talking about Adam there in Genesis chapter 2 and verse 7. And then the following verse said, And the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. Now, if God had not planted the garden and put Adam there, he would have never got inside of the garden of Eden. You see, the Bible said that the Lord God planted a garden in Eden there. He, God, put the man whom he had formed. And then we come to 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 16. The Bible said, Yet, if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. Amen. Now, you say, how can we tie these two uh, verses together? I want to preach on the simple thought tonight of God's garden of Christians. Amen. Now, just as Adam was planted in the garden by the hand of Almighty God, if you ever get in God's garden of grace, you'll have to be planted there by the miracle of the new birth. Adam did not just wander into the garden one day and decide it was a good pretty place for him to set up housekeeping. And he went over to the next door neighbor and started courting Eve. And then they got married and had children. That's not the way it happened. The Bible said that God formed man and then he planted him in the garden of Eden. If you ever get to heaven, dear friends, you've got to make a stop at Calvary. And if you ever get in God's garden of Christians, you're going to have to have a new birth. I mean, this is a day of religion when people are passing up God like a pay train would pass up a hobo and they're uh, turning over new leaves and shaking the preacher's hand and signing cards and, and swearing off of this and declaring they're going to start that. All that's commendable, but it'll land you up in hell. I mean, friend, this thing of getting to heaven is a personal experience between you and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, just as surely as Adam would have never got put in the garden, You'll never get in God's garden of Christians until you have that personal experience of being saved. Now, as we come to 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 16, uh, there's an interesting word there that I want to show you something about tonight, and that word is Christian. It's interesting to me that the word Christian is found only three times in the entire Word of God. It's found twice in the book of Acts, and finally for the third time in the book of 1 Peter. In Acts chapter 11 and verse 26, the Bible said about Paul and Barnabas, and they were called Christians first in Antioch. 
In Acts chapter 26 and verse 28, then Agrippa said unto him, Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. So the third and final time it's mentioned is in our text verse tonight. Yet if any man suffer as a Christian, the Bible is a multiple of threes. The word Christian found three times. The phrase born again is also found only three times in your Bible. Twice in the book of John chapter 3 and once in the book of 1 Peter 1 and 23. We find that Jesus said, Nicodemus, you must be born again. He said that in verses 3 and 7 of John chapter 3. And then in 1 Peter chapter number, uh, here we find uh, in chapter number 1 and verse 23, the Bible said being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God which liveth and abideth forever. So the word Christians found three times. The phrase born again found three times. The Bible is a multiple of threes. For instance, the Lord is recorded to raise three people from the dead while he was on this earth. He healed three blind men. Listen, I'm talking about three. Three arcs mentioned in your Bible. There's Noah's ark and Moses' ark and the ark of the covenant. So the Bible is a multiple of threes. And I want to say this tonight. God put the word Christian in the Bible only three times because there's not many Christians today. Surely there's people that are born again. But to be a Christian is to be Christ-like. Now, if you look at the word Christian tonight, it's spelled C-H-R-I-S-T. That spells Christ. And the last three letters are I-A-N. And if we'll let Christ be the first six letters, and I-A-N say, I am nothing, then we might be close to being a Christian. Now, I am somebody going somewhere tonight, but only because Christ is before the I-A-N. I'm simply saying tonight that when I got saved spiritually, Brother Bobby, God planted me in his garden of Christians. Now, I want to preach a message tonight even the young ones can understand. I like what the preacher said. He said, when you preach, put the cookies on the bottom shelf where the young ones can get a hold of them. Amen. I mean, my Bible said, Brother Kelly, in the book of John chapter 21, Jesus said, Peter, if you love me, feed my sheep. Three times he said, feed my sheep. He didn't say feed my giraffes. I've preached to more giraffes than I have sheep and have tried to feed them, but I found out their neck was too long and their head was too high. You can't feed a giraffe, but you can feed a sheep. I'm simply saying tonight, God said, feed my sheep. And I believe we ought to get down to the principle that Jesus laid out for us and preaching a plain gospel that even the children could understand. If you have to go home after the service and get you a dictionary and a concordance and a Greek lexicon and a bunch of commentaries to interpret what the preacher has said during the service, something ain't right. We preachers like those big old 14-syllable words. They got hinges in the middle of them. We don't have the foggiest idea what they mean, Billy. Right. But we'll throw them out because they sound impressive. God said just in the book of John chapter 11, the Bible said when Jesus received word that Lazarus was sick, he abode two days still in the same place where he was. And then he started back to Bethany and he told them, let's go back. And the disciples said, Lord, the Jews of late sought to kill thee. And in John chapter 11, then Jesus said unto them, plainly, Lazarus is dead. Jesus said unto them, plainly. 
He was a plain preacher. He used simple illustrations, trying to get a point across one day to his disciples, and they couldn't seem to get a hold of what he said. He said, let me show you what I'm trying to talk about. See that fellow over on that bucket of seed? Watch him as he throws those seed out on the hillside. Look at those fowls come in, and some of them are devouring the seed. He said, that's the kingdom of God. He used simple illustrations like casting a net out into the sea and bringing in all kinds of different fish. I'm simply saying when I talk about God's garden of Christian, every person in this room knows what a garden is. Amen? I mean, unless they're the little bitty fellas, we know what a garden is, don't we? So let's get to God's garden of Christians. Now, in the garden, there's different kind of vegetables. And I want to talk about in God's garden some vegetables I've seen in the Baptist church. Now, the Bible said the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he'd formed. The day you got saved, Brother Billy, God planted you in his garden. And you became, 1 Peter 4, 16, a Christian. And every person that's saved by the grace of God has been planted in God's garden, and we claim to be a Christian. What kind of Christian are we? First of all, let's get over yonder to the first row in the garden. And this is a row of onions. Now, I like onions. I guess that's the reason nobody won't sit on the front four pews when I preach. Now, I don't eat as many onions as you used to because they got to where they hurt me. But, Brother Richard, I love onions. I could eat an onion with a piece of cake. I remember when we used to come in from school, we didn't have a whole lot to eat. And, man, if we could find a big old onion, we'd peel that thing and eat it raw. You said, well, preacher, my goodness, yeah. If you'd have been raised like I was, you'd been glad to get a pinto bean to go with it. Amen. Amen. But onions I'm talking about has something about them that just seems, I don't know where you peel them or whatever, but just seem to get into your eyes. I mean, I once in a while will watch Jackie. She'll be fixing something to put onions in. And she'll be over there, Brother Kelly, and she'll be peeling that onion, Brother Bobby. And all of a sudden, she'll do like this right here. You know what's happened? Somehow or another, that onion's got up in her eyes. And I'm talking about that crowd that's got a little eye problem. I'm not talking about malfunctioning. I'm talking about some tears coming in there. Man, I'm talking about that crowd that still believes it's all right to weep over the erring and to cry over the dying. But I'll tell you what's the truth. Years ago, you could stand up and preach about Calvary and you could see folks sitting back there wiping tears. You don't see that anymore. We've lost our tears. You say, preacher, how can I have, how can I be blessed of God and not have a swelled head? I'm going to tell you how to keep from getting your head swelled, have leaking eyes. If your eyes leak, your head won't swell. You say, well, now, Brother Tom, if the Lord commanded me to weep, I'd certainly do it. Well, get your handkerchief out. Y'all are in Luke chapter 23. Jesus is going up Calvary's mountain. He's carrying a cross on his back. Bunch of women coming behind him. They're called the daughters of Jerusalem. They're weeping over him. And he turns in Luke chapter 23 and verse 28. And he says, oh, daughters of Jerusalem, weep not for me, but weep for yourselves and weep for your children. I'll tell you, Brother Kenny, God told us to weep over the erring and to cry over the dying. You've got a brand new altar up here. Let's stain this hard wood with our tears for people in Sandy Ridge that are dying lost and going to hell without God. Give me some good old in onion Christians. <laughs> the Bible teaches me in the book of Psalm Division 126 and verse 5, they that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth and weepeth bearing precious seed shall doubtless come again 
with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. He that goeth forth and beareth what? Precious seed. Did I just tell you a while ago, the Bible said in 1 Peter 1, 23, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible. Do you know what the seed is we're to sow? It's the word of God. He said, if you go forth and sow the seed, you can come again with rejoicing. Bring in what? Your sheaves. Do you know what a sheaf is? I remember when I was a boy, we used to shock corn. Any of y'all remember shocking corn? I mean, you just cut all the corn down, and then you'd get out here, and you'd put it all in one big bundle, and you'd shock it up. And Jesus said, if you'll just go out and bear one seed, you're liable to come in with a whole shock of corn. Hey, <laughs> man. I want to tell you something, folk. I believe it's time that we got some onions back in our churches. I mean, some people that are weep and to cry and to tell folks that hell's an awful place and heaven's too good to miss. Hell's too hot for you to go there. Eternity's too long. Oh, God, give us tears back in our churches. Give us some old-fashioned garden-planted onions. Now, they come up with one of them down yonder in Georgia, I think, called a Vidalia onion. I like it but it's not very potent. It won't make you cry too much. <laughs> it's glorious. And I believe that's what we've been in our churches. We've got too many of our daily Christians. Give us some of them old, hot-natured Stokes County onions that'll just make you cry when you pull the outside cover off of it. I'm talking about, oh, God, give us, God planted it, this garden in Eden, and there he put the man in it for him. And Adam was planted there because he was God's child. Then let's leave the onion roll. And just past that is a whole row of carrots. Now, what is a carrot, Christian? It's that crowd that'll carry it. They didn't get saved to sit on a stump. They got saved to carry it. Carry the good news that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Hey, preachers, I want to say something. We might not be much to look at. I don't want to make you preacher's wives mad, but I want to say something that's honest to truth. <laughs> Most of us preachers ain't too much to look at. God called a pretty good looking old boy once in a while to kind of break the monotony. But most of us ain't. We're not going to win no pageants. But we got something going for us that the worst of it. We might not be too much to look at, but we got a good set of lungs and some pretty feet. You say, well, now your feet ain't so pretty. You ain't read Isaiah 52 lately, have you? Right, right. Isaiah 52, 7 said, how beautiful right. are the feet of them upon the mountains that publish good tidings. Amen. We got a good t- Hey, they call us old leather lungs, don't they? <laughs> I mean, somebody told me here a while back, said, they call you Pharaoh where I come from. I said, why they call me Pharaoh? Said, you won't let God's people go. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> let them call me what I will. But Brother Ricky, I'm glad, thank God, my feet's pretty. Don't worry about it. I'm not going to pull my shoes off now. I'm not talking about my physical feet. I'm talking about the way they walk. Amen. I'm talking about the Bible said how beautiful in the eyes of God, his preacher boy, carrying the gospel and leaving some beautiful footprints. Amen. Somebody said, Brother Don, can you walk on water? I ain't doing a good job walking on land. When I conquer the land, I'll step on the water. But I want to tell you something. I've got some good looking feet tonight. Amen. The Bible says in the book of Romans chapter 10, how shall they hear except they, uh, uh, how shall they uh, repent uh, unless they hear? How shall they hear except they have a preacher? How shall they preach except they be sent? 
A preacher's not called of man, but he's sin of God. In the book of John chapter one and verse number three, the Bible said there was a man sent from God whose name was John. You know what I say to Smith's Chapel Baptist Church? There was a man sent from God and his name was Billy. I say to Oasis Baptist Church, there was a man sent from God and his name was Rudy. Brother Bobby, I say to the church that you preach at, there was a man sent from God and his name was Bobby. I'm going to tell you something, y'all to thank God for a preacher that'll stand up and preach the word of God. Hey, listen, Smith Chapel, some Sundays you're going to come in this church and you think Billy Thomas is the meanest rascal that ever lived. I wonder what Bridget fed him for breakfast, gunpowder? He acts like he ate a pound of nails for supper last night. He come in here meaner than a junkyard dog. But if you'll study the book of Hebrews chapter 13, the Bible said, he watches for your soul. I had a, had a fellow in the church one time, Brother Rudy. I mean, uh, he just hit and miss, you know, just come when it's convenient. Then all of a sudden his world caved in. He come running down and squalling one day and said, Preacher Don, you ever given him marriage counseling? Maybe I ought not have been mean, but I looked at him. I said, yeah. Brother Kelly, I looked at him. I said, I do it every Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. Y'all come hear me sometime. I said, they ain't no you. I, I told him. I said, they ain't no use to talk about draining a swamp when you're up to your eyeballs with crocodiles. Man, ain't, if you're going to drain the swamp, get rid of them before the crocodiles get there. Amen. I'm simply saying, praise God, your preacher can't work out your problems, but he can carry the gospel to you that'll keep your family from straying and your lost families from going to hell. Oh, God, give us some more carrying Christians. These fellas come up to me once in a while and say, God, call me to preach. I say, whoo, I'm glad he's raising up a new crop. Amen. Hey, man, you, you fellas ain't got there yet, but I'm beginning to feel it. God had a good preacher before I got here, and he let me know he'll have a good one after I'm gone. I'm not indispensable in the work of God. I want to tell you something, brother. God had a John the Baptist before you and me ever got here. He had an apostle Paul. He had a John. He had a Simon Peter. He had some preachers a long time ago. Hey, sometimes I meet preachers, and bless your heart, boys, I love God's men, but sometimes they act like they're the only ones ever been, the only one ever will be. But I want to tell you something, brother. God can get along without any of us. But I'm glad God chose me to carry the gospel. Hey, I want to tell you something, boys. You that are preachers here tonight, God not only saved you and put you in his garden, but of all the multitudes he had in the garden, he reached over and handpicked you to go carry the gospel. Don't you feel sorry for me? Hey, man, somebody said, would you like to be the president? Uh, no, sir. First of all, I don't think I got sense enough. But I'm about to change my mind after the last four or five I've seen. But I couldn't stand to get demoted. The president of the United States was chosen by the electoral and the popular vote. I was not chosen by the popular vote. I was not chosen by the electoral college. God handpicked me to go preach the word of God. Feller come to his preacher one night. The young man said, preacher, God's called me to preach. He said, that's good. I'm going to let you preach Sunday night. He let the old boy preach Sunday night. He got up and stuttered and stumbled about four or five minutes, sat down. Preacher said, son, are you sure God called you to preach? He said, I think so. He said, tell me how it happened. He said, the other morning I was down the bottom plowing. Had an old single stock plowing an old sway back mule. It was about nine o'clock in the morning. It got real hot. I pulled the old mule up and gave him some water and tied him up under the tree to let him rest a while. He said, I was already tired and I laid down on the ground, put my hands under my head. As I looked up toward the clouds, the prettiest clouds coming together and formed a G and a P. 
He said, right there and laying flat on my back at GNP, God spoke to my heart and said, go preach. He said, that the way it happened? He said, I think it did, preacher. He said, well, I don't doubt what you didn't see a G and a P come together in those clouds. But after hearing you tonight, I don't think God's saying go preach. I think he's saying get to plowing. <laughs> I think some of them need to get back to plowing, don't you? Well, I'm glad. Woo, praise God for the caring crowd. The cared gospel. I'm talking about God's garden of Christians. I, the onions seem like they're always crying over, not, not for themselves, but over people's lost condition. And the caring Christians, they, they're caring. And then let's go a little bit farther. We get on down to the lower side of the garden. There's a turnip patch. You say, well, I'm preaching. What kind is that? I like that crowd of Christians, this turnip. It don't matter if for service at 9 o'clock, they'll turn up. It don't matter if it's 10 o'clock, they'll turn up. 11 o'clock, 10 o'clock, 6 o'clock, they'll turn up. I mean, I like that crowd that turns up. Amen. Yeah, <laughs> Woo, I like a turnip Christian. Uh, when I was pastor not having to tell me a month in advance, they wouldn't be able to come to revival. I thought, dear Lord, you might not be sick a month from now. What are you? I'm talking about man just turn up when it comes to church time. I'm talking about the turn up Christian. I like it. When God saved me, put a desire in my heart to be in the house of God. Now, there will be times that all of us won't be able to go. But I don't understand how God could save me and tell me to go to the house of the Lord on a regular basis and save another person over yonder and tell them I have to go about twice a month. Two times a year. They come at Christmas to get their bag of suckers and they come back at Easter to show their bonnet off and you couldn't, you couldn't find them with a search warrant in between. Now, God's no respecter of persons. I know that you can't go to church every day. You've got to work. You've got your family. You've got your other obligations. But God says, don't forsake the assembling together in my house. Amen. Last time I read Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, it still said, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. As the matter of some is, but exhorting one another. And so much the more to see the day approaching. Last time I read the book of Psalm 26 and verse 8, it said, Lord, I have loved the habitation of thine house, the place where thine honor dwelleth. Last time I checked in Psalm 27, verse 4, it said, One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after all the days of my life, that I may behold the beauty of the Lord, and to inquire in His temple. Thank God for the house of God. Rudy, y'all done a pretty good job on this. I like it. I like the way you fix things up around here, Brother Billy. Bobby, did you have anything to do with these rocks? Well, they done a good job, didn't they? You notice they put a cross right slap in the middle of it. I like that. Now, I'm saying all that to say this. I commend people for being faithful to the house of God. Amen. Now, as I said last night, we don't worship the house. But come service time, they just turn up. When they hear the church bell, they say, let's go. Let's go on down there and turn up. It's time for service. Now, I don't know. But this day we're living in, it just seemed like folks just don't have much of a desire for the house of God. Now, we've had a packed out house last night and again tonight. But most of the churches you go to anymore, there's not enough there to play a good mumbly pig game. I mean, it's sad. Me and Jack would be running up and down the road, you know, a lot of times going somewhere on Sunday morning to preach. And we'll go by church after church after church, two or three cars in the parking lot, and some of them don't have one. And then we'll pass down to the shopping mall, and you couldn't find a parking place. America has forgotten the house of God. There is a dreaded disease among Baptists today. 
I don't know what they call it, but I've labeled it Sabbath morbicitis. <laughs> Have you ever heard tell of Sabbath morbicitis? Your first time. Well, I want to tell you how it works. You probably don't know the big title, but you know the symptoms. Sabbath morbicitis don't bother you Monday through Saturday. You can even stay up late on Saturday night and watch the late, late, late show. And you get up on Sunday morning and Sabbath morbicitis will hit you about nine o'clock. You slept late and you got out of the bed and you're walking down the hall. Oom! Sabbath morbicitis gets you in the heel. It moves up the calf of your leg. When you get into the den, it's already up in your thigh. And you're hobbling and you're wobbling and you're getting over toward the recliner. Your wife said, what's wrong, honey? Don't know. Something caught me in my back just as I was coming down the hall. Fall into the lazy boy. <laughs> you lay there and groan and complain. You say, honey, get the youngins ready to go on to church. I ain't about to leave you. She don't want to go no way. God will hold me accountable. We stood before that preacher and I promised God in sickness and in health. I'd stand by you and you're sick and God don't expect me to run off and leave you. I'm staying here with you. Of course, that tickles the young ones. They can't get there without mom and daddy. And the whole family don't want to go. Sound familiar? You lay it, sit there, and you feel a little bit condemned so you watch the 11 o'clock religious broadcast. And you watch Mr. Hen cast out a couple of demons. And then you'll watch sister so-and-so preach to 10,000 and they'll give her a standing ovation for a pretty little speech. And it's to get to about 12 o'clock and your mind goes down to Smith Chapel. That preacher's winding down now. And all of a sudden, Sabbath Morbicitis begins to move down the other way. It gets down here and you get up and you say, man, I'm feeling pretty good. I believe it may 100%. Now, honey, let's get the station wagon. Let's throw the young ones in the station wagon, get the dogs and cats and the picnic lunch, and let's go up on the parkway and have a picnic lunch. I believe that fresh mountain air would make me feel 100%. So you load the car up and go on up on the parkway. I mean, coming back down the parkway about 5 o'clock, and you pull in the driveway at 5.30, and you get out of the car, and guess what happens? Oh! Sabbath morbicitis bites you again. You said, Lord, I've overdone it, honey. I don't believe that preacher would expect me to come down and sit on that old hard pew and listen to him holler at me for 30 minutes, 45 minutes. And then you just sit back in that same recliner. And along about 9 o'clock that night, Sabbath Morbicitis leaves. Don't bother you again until you get up the next morning and push the car off and get to work at 6 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> Do you know... Anybody over in Stokes County has got Sabbath morbicitis? Do you know anybody that's forsaken the house of God? I mean, when the church bell rings, whoo, we need to turn up. <laughs> I had a preacher friend. He I heard he done this, Kelly, and I asked him. I just heard it. He was pastor in the church and still is. I guess he's been at this church probably 30 years now. But some years ago when his wife and daughter, she's married now with her own family. But he got up one Sunday morning and said, his wife and daughter, y'all going to church? 
And so they said, what's the matter? You sick? I said, no, I'll be on a few minutes. Well, we'll just wait on you. No, y'all just go on. I'll be on a few minutes. And so his wife took the daughter and went on to church. 10 o'clock, Brother Tony weren't at church. 10.30, Tony weren't at church. 11 o'clock, Tony weren't at church. About 15 after 11, the choir was finishing up singing and the front door opened. Guess who come in? Preacher Tony. He stepped in the front door 15 after 11 and everybody stopped and looked at him in their mouth. And you know what he said to them? Said, now y'all know how I feel, don't you? I said, Tony, did you do that? He said, I did. What would you think of your preacher if he come dragging in at 1130 on Sunday morning? Oh, you say we'd swap him off. Well, he's got the same right to swap some of us off, ain't he? Man, I'm talking about don't let Sabbath Morbikitis get in your blood. When it comes time for church service, just turn up. Amen. Amen. Stay in God's garden of Christian, be an onion, crying a little bit over the uh, people that's going to hell. Uh, be a good carried Christian, carry the gospel. You may not be the preacher, but carry those tracts out there and tell folks Jesus loves them. And when it comes time for the service, just turn up. Amen. And then when we leave the turnip patch, I get over here in the cabbage row. Do you know what a cabbage is? It's all head. <laughs> cabbage ain't got nobody. It's all head. I like that folks in the house of God is all head, don't you? I mean, man, they got a brain. Listen, some folks use this knot, this head, they act like that it's nothing but a a knot tied in their spinal column to keep their body from unraveling. That's right. God put something inside this skull called a brain. And we say we've got five senses, but I believe we've got more. I believe we've got the five taste, touch, smell, all that. But I believe we ought to have some good old common sense and some horse sense. And don't miss this now. If you've got any horse sense, it means your mind's stable. Some of y'all raised on a farm, weren't you? If you got any horse sense, it means your mind is stable. For you young people looking at me like you don't know what I'm talking about, a stable is a where you keep the horse. So if you got any horse sense, your mind is stable. Am I over your head tonight? God says, I want you to have some common reasoning about you. Get in the cabbage patch. 1 Samuel chapter 4 and verse 9. The Bible said, O ye Philistines, quit ye like men and fight. Quit yourselves like men. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 11, Paul said, When I was a child, I spake as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. It's just normal for a mother to come in here with an infant baby and have a plug called a pacifier in one hand and a bottle of milk in the other. And if that young one gets fretful, mom will stick the pacifier in there for a while and then she'll pull it out and plug it in milk. That's just normal. But when I see Billy Thomas come in here with a pacifier in his left hand and a bottle of milk in the right hand, and I'm preaching the word of God in about 30 minutes of the service, he's sitting over there plugging on some pacifier. I'm going to say, that ain't right. That just ain't right. God says when you become a man, you ought to act like it. 
Quit being a little spoiled baby. Man, if there's anything gets a hold of me, it's to watch a young one throw a tantrum. But what about God's children? I've seen God's children cut some of the awfulest tantrums ever was. Spiritually lay down flat on their back and kick till they turn red in the face. Preacher ain't been to see me in two weeks. Well, whoopee-doo. <laughs> I'll tell you something, folks. We need to grow up and be sensible. Smith Chapel, you're not going to agree with everything that goes on here. And you're not going to like everything that goes on here. But be a man about it and say, if that's the majority's way to go, I'll go with them. That don't necessarily mean the majority's always right. When Moses sent 12 spies in, the 10 come back and said, We're, we, we can't take the land. Majority's wrong. That's but at least that's the democratic way to do it. And anything short of that is communism. <laughs> dictatorship. But now let's go. I'm, I'm talking about God's garden. Now I could get in the pea, over in the, in the pea section, get in some sweet peas, and I'll just leave that with you. I like all kinds of peas. I like black-eyed peas. <laughs> I like garden peas. I like crowder peas. I like sweet peas. But I like that crowd in the house of God. Got the peace of God. They got the prayers of the saints with them. So I just want to leave you this one more right quick. Let's go down to the lower end of the garden. And there we got a tater patch. You said, when I preach you the right pronunciation is potato. Well, now a potato won't fit in this message. So I'm just going to call it a tater patch. If there's anything ever made me sick, it's no country boy trying to be proper. And he talked about his potatoes and his tomatoes. <laughs> when I was a boy growing up, his taters and maters. And by the way, when you went down the store, if you had any money to get them, we've got, we got some mater tater put on poke so we towed them on. Y'all know what I'm talking about? <laughs> we do talk a little funny, don't we? But I'm talking about God's tater patch. Now, you say, well, preacher, what kind of patch is that? Well, first of all, God's tater patch ought to be found in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faithness, meeks, temperance, against such there's no law. The first three of those is inside. The second three is toward God or toward a fellow man. And the third three is toward God. I'm simply saying this, church. The fruits of the Spirit ought to be our tater patch. Amen. But I found in the tater patch in the Baptist church, not all of them are filled with the Spirit Amen. of God. Right. You say, what kind of taters did you find in the tater patch? Well, I'm glad you asked me. I found old Mr. Dictator over there. <laughs> you know, he's the feller who's going to run the show for her lips the devil. And he's always invited his double first cousin, Mrs. Agitator, to come to every service. Amen. And she brings her grandma, Mrs. Irritator, and they bring their young ones, the little imitators, and they all become spectators. And then the first thing you know, your church ain't nothing but a coal tater. I want to be in God's tater patch, but I don't want to be a dictator. I don't want to be an agitator, imitator, or I don't want to be an irritator. I don't want to be a spectator. I don't want to be a I want to be a sweet tater. I want to be a sweet tater, filled with the good things of God. Amen. Oh, I say, God, give us a tater patch. Man, the devil's put some off-brand taters in our patch. Do you know what? Them old dictators, they come in, you know what? One fellow, I'll show you what a dictator is. He could never find his way to revival meeting. 
He couldn't come but once every blue moon for a Sunday service, but he found his way to every business meeting. He'd come to every business meeting. And every motion was made, he'd jump up and oppose it. One night during a business meeting, one feller jumped up and said, Brother Moderator, I make a motion this church buys a new chandelier. Well, guess who was in attendance? Mr. Dictator jumps up and said, But Brother Moderator, I oppose that motion. He said, well, sir, why do you oppose the motion for our church to buy a new chandelier? He said, first of all, we can't afford it. And he said, number two, if we had one of them things, nobody can't play it. <laughs> and he said, number three, if you're going to talk about spending money, let's talk about putting some more lights in this place. It's too dark. <laughs> he had no idea what a chandelier was, but he was opposed to it. You know, Mr. Dictator, don't you? And then you know his old sister that comes down, <laughs> Ms. Irritator. You're feeling like you could get jump, I mean jump and go out and you talk to her five minutes and you want to smack the fool out of her. Amen. Amen. Amen, brother. And then you've got them fellas that get up and I appreciate the way this group sung, the group did last night. They're not imitators. They're not trying to be somebody they're not. Amen. I've seen some boys be pretty good priests because trying to imitate some big high-part evangelist. Amen. Just be who they are. Man, I'm talking about don't be a spectator. Don't sit on the side. Well, let's let the preacher do it. That's what we pay him for. <laughs> oh, yeah, I've heard that old song and dance too, ain't you? But I'm talking about the Bible says the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden. There he put the man whom it formed. Yet if any man suffers a Christian, let him not be ashamed. But let him glorify God on this path. I believe even the children can understand. Did you know that somebody's watching you, Rudy? Your grandson. I come to him tonight. He was up here and he's sitting there by himself. And I looked, I shook hands, spoke to him a while, asked him how old he was, what his name was. I said, Are you a preacher? You know what he said? He said, No, I play the piano. <laughs> I said, Amen. And I noticed he did. So you're, he's watching you. Amen. That's the reason the Bible said in Romans. 14, no man lived to himself, no man died to himself. Somebody's watching me. I want to be an onion Christian. I want to weep over the erring and cry over the dying. I want to be a carrot. I want to carry the gospel. I want to be a turnip. I want to be faithful to the things of God. And then I want to be a tater, a sweet tater in the program of God. And I want to be a cabbage. I want to be all business when it comes to the work of God. There's a lot of other things in the garden that we can apply, but I'm give out. My question is, are you in God's garden? If so, which row are you in? Get out of the dictator row. Get out of the imitator and agitator row. Don't get in the spectator row. Get over in that sweet tater bunch. And make your life count for God. Let's bow our heads for prayer. While heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. Brother Billy's coming. Brother Rudy, if you would, come to the piano. Friend, have you trusted in Jesus as your personal Savior? The Bible says, today is the day of salvation. Romans 10.9 tells us that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. If you have called upon Jesus today, you are now a brother or sister in Christ. We would love to hear from you. 
you can email us at redeemingbloodministries at gmail.com or visit us on Facebook at facebook.com slash redeemingbloodministries.